Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, today I'm going to jump in. I'm kicking off this series. We're talking about house of worship. Does anybody like to worship in the room? All right. All right. All right. We had like maybe 10 people say they do. But for the rest of us that didn't, um, you know, say anything, we feel, I just I love to worship. I've been leading worship, um, honestly, since I was since I could speak. My mom kind of had me in the worship lane. I was singing songs and nursery rhymes from a young age. But I've been leading worship uh, now for over 17 years uh, in churches, big, small, traveling the world. And I am so passionate about this topic of worship. And one thing I believe about the local church is that it is our job to equip the local church uh, for ministry and how to walk with the Lord. Discipleship is an important word. And so I think it's really important that if we're going to do things, that we understand why we do them. And so it's not just a thing where, you know, we want people to come in and conform to like a certain pattern or do certain things, but we want people to understand the power behind what it is that they are doing. And so that's why uh, I'm so thankful that your pastors wanted to take some time to talk about worship. And so today I'm going to give you just a brief, like quick theology of worship, what it looks like. And then at the very end, we're going to get to practice this. Okay, so like we're not just going to talk about this and I'm not going to send you on your merry way and we can do it like next week or something. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to be about it. Okay, anybody cool with that? All right. So I'm just going to open us up and I'm going to read this passage of scripture. I think it's a great way to open us up today. And it comes to us from Psalms 100. And it simply says this, shout to the Lord, excuse me, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. It's okay to come in church and have a smile on your face. It's okay. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So I want to talk to you for the next few moments uh, uh, under this title and under this banner. Come on, say it with me. Check your posture. Say that with me. Check your posture. And so if, you, if, if, I can, if I can, you know, since I'm from the south side of the kingdom, if I can say check your posture in this place. Okay. All right. Let's pray really quick before I dive in. Dear Lord in heaven, we just thank you. Um, we come today. Um, with a posture uh, to receive, Lord, that, that you have something for us. God, would you uh, just give me the words to speak and uh, help me to communicate this truth about your heart behind worship, God. Um, Lord, and lastly, I would just pray the uh, the prayer for my brothers and sisters in this room who I love so much. Uh, you know, I'm from Oklahoma, and so God, I'm so sorry we stole the supersonics. So God, I'm praying for an NBA team here in Seattle. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And amen. Come on, somebody. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. Now, to, to tell you a little bit about myself, like I said, I, I've been doing worship my whole life. I've had the beautiful opportunity to worship with a multitude of different uh, faith denominations and backgrounds. And so it's a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful for my heritage and how I was raised. And uh, if you didn't know, I, I, I grew up Pentecostal, charismatic. We got loud and we got crazy. And so uh, one of the unique things that I've noticed about the church is there seems to be such a dividing line when it comes to this area of worship. That people like different styles of music and different modes and different methods. And um, today, I just want to kind of debunk because at the end of the day, the power is not in the methods and the modes we choose to worship God. The power is in the posture of our heart. And so, um, you know, like maybe you grew up like me. Uh, you grew up charismatic or Pentecostal. So you probably grew up singing songs like... Um, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Come on, like that's that's the song, kind of songs that we were singing. Or maybe in this room today, you grew up uh, a Baptist, so you probably start saying, uh, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Okay, that's that's one. That's that's. Give it up for yourself. Maybe, maybe in the room you grew up uh, uh, Catholic. Maybe you grew up singing Ave Maria. Or maybe, or, or maybe you know, you didn't grow up in church at all, so you grew up singing song. It's like all my life. I'm praying someone like you, and I thank God. See what y'all ain't saying. Y'all, y'all tripping. Y'all tripping. 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 But what's my point with all of this is that, simply put, that worship is not simply the songs that we sing or a genre of music. In fact, but more precisely, it is the posture of our hearts in correlation to God. It is how our heart is. I grew up uh, and I start, I was working for AT&T when the first iPhone came out. Anybody remember that? So I, I, I remember, I'm, I'm big into cell phones. And I remember thinking about this analogy and thinking about back in the day when they first came out, reception was like the worst thing ever. You'd have to like, let me get next to the window and uh, see if I can get reception. And I remember thinking about this kind of the posture of your heart in correlation to God. And remember thinking about we being our, our hearts being kind of like that cell phone. And we're trying to get this signal and we're trying to get this relation to God. And, and the thing that worship helps us do, it helps us connect to the source, to the network, to the thing that gives us the things that we need. And that's God. And so when I think about worship, it's so much more than a song, but yet and still in the same time, worship can also be expressed through our songs. And so the scripture gives a lot of great background on what worship is. And so I thought today, simply put, I, I didn't want to preach this eloquent message. All I simply wanted to do was answer a few questions on what is worship. 
There's a passage in Genesis uh, that I'll briefly go to. I don't have time to go into detail with it, but there's a story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. And uh, I'm going to read this story, and then I'm going to kind of give you why this correlates to worship. Okay, Genesis 4.2 says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of his fruits and soil as offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the sum of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you had done what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you, but you must rule over it. What's the point of this story? God is um, obviously concerned and worried about like how we live our life and how we sort of move through the world. But at the end of the day, God is so much more concerned with our posture than he is actually with the things that we do. See, the brother here, the reason why God did not look favorably on the second brother was because this brother gave, but he did not give of his best. He withheld. He didn't give God full out what was truly he God is truly worthy of. And so when I think about it in the area of worship, when I think about it, what it means to live a life of worship, it simply looks like giving God the best that you possibly can. Worship is a big, big, big topic. We'll we'll zoom out. Worship can be expressed through uh, songs and and music and and prayer. But worship can also be expressed through the way that we serve the people around us, the way that we come together. When we come and be a part of an organization like the local church, worship is the way that we serve. Worship is the way that we give our money, the way we spend our time. Worship can be the way that we are in our community and in our neighborhood. It's all about what our posture is. So just a reminder, check your posture. I love that first psalm that we read. The writer says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. To me, when I see that and I read that, I see that the writer is implying that sometimes if not all the time, that you have to enter into his courts with a posture of faith. Praise does not come easy. It's not easy to come in and and to give of yourself and to give the Lord your all when you've had to live through the week that you've lived through, when you've had to live through the morning maybe that you lived through. I don't know about you if if this describes a, a Sunday morning that you've ever lived, but this has been a Sunday morning I had one time or many times actually, waking up, we're, we, we missed the alarm, and uh, my wife's still asleep, and, uh, you know, I'm like, we got to get to church, you know, I'm like, hurry up, rush in, we only got one bathroom, because we live in the city, and so I can't get in the shower, she's taking forever all day, I'm getting mad at her, and upset, and the kids are in the background, and they're like, we want food, we want food, and I'm like, I'm not trying to cook you food, I'm trying to get dressed so we can go to church, and then you get in the car and you're like, okay, look, like I'll take y'all get food and the kid. And I'm like, okay, what do you guys want? You want like McDonald's or something? The kids are like, no, we want Chick-fil-A. We want Chick-fil-A. And so we're in the car and we're driving and we get all the way to Chick-fil-A and then we realize that it's closed because it's Sunday. 
And then we have to hurry up and rush, and then we get to church five minutes late, and then we want to get the kids checked in, and we need to get our coffee, and then we got to go use the bathroom. And But before we even get in the door or in the parking lot, me and the wife, we get into a fight, and we're arguing about this and that and the other thing. And then by the time we walk in, it's like the third song, and we're about to wrap up, and you're like, I am so exhausted. How do I have this heart or posture of worship. Here's what Hebrews 13 says. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Here it is. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Now notice the scripture doesn't say offer us uh, praise when it's convenient for us. It says offer a sacrifice that this will be costly It is costly for us to have a heart of worship. But then at the end of the day, we must ask ourselves, is the Lord truly on the throne of our hearts or are we? Is our convenience on the throne of our heart? Is our comfort on the throne of our hearts or is God? So when we talk about worship, that's what worship is. Worship is simply the posture of our heart. Here's the next question that I would answer. So I'm just, just so you know, I'm doing who, what, when, where. I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing. So who should worship? Psalms 150 says this. I love this Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lure. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Come on. It's okay to dance in church. Praise him. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Simply put, who should praise the Lord? Everything that has breath. Here's my encouragement for you today. If you have breath in your lungs, if you have a pulse right now, then you should praise the Lord with everything that you are with your soul, with your mind, with your strength, all that you are when it comes to worship and praise, it is okay to use everything. As I was mentioning at the beginning, you know, we, the church space is a very, you know, diverse and divisive space, especially when you talk about music, you know, at, at my church that I serve at many churches that I serve at, you know, it, it, not a week goes by that I don't get an email that says, uh, you know, Hey, uh, the music was a little loud today. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a little louder. Hey, uh, you know, y'all didn't sing enough hymns today. So, you know, I, I feel like true worship is when you sing hymns or I've gotten emails that said, all sorts of kinds of things. And again, the point that I'm trying to get to is that it's so much less about what we do and it's so much more about our heart. How is our heart? How is our posture? And here's another encouragement that I would just say, um, you know, you may find yourself in this room and you may say like, look, man, like that's cool and all, but you know, I'm not a singer. I don't like the sound of my voice. Like, None of that stuff. Here's an encouragement. At the end of the day, it does not really matter. It does not matter if you're uh, Carrie Underwood or uh, The Weeknd or uh, Michael Jackson or, or uh, Pastor Pradeepin. It doesn't matter who you are voice-wise, where you're at. 
God just wants us to lift a joyful noise to him. My next thought is, where should I worship? Now, the scripture that I just read kind of alluded to, it said, praise him in the streets, praise him in the sanctuary. You can praise God wherever we're at. But this next um, little point I want to bring to is, where should I worship? I like this. Uh, it's, it's in Acts 16. There's a story of two men, Paul and Silas, and beautiful story, uh, but it starts out pretty bad. So Paul and Silas, they're, they're, they're out preaching the gospel. They're doing amazing things for the Lord. They're living for the Lord with all they have. They're embodying this thing that I'm talking about. And how many know what happens next? They get thrown in jail. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like a, a fun time, right? Jail. J you want to go to jail? You want to live like jail. It's, it's a bad place. Uh, believe it or not, one time I had a I've been to jail, I had a ticket, and I didn't pay it, and yeah, it's a whole thing. Jail is not fun. I was only in there for five minutes, and I was crying like a baby. Jeez. I was like, Mom, would you come pick me up? Anyways, uh, that was like a week ago. I'll just pray. No, it wasn't. It was, it was, no, stop. I was like 23. I was 23. I was young and dumb, okay? Uh, my wife warned me, and I didn't listen. Um... So these guys, they're, they're worshiping the Lord. They're, they're, uh, they're out in the streets. They're telling people about Jesus, doing amazing things. And then yet and still, they find themselves in jail. And then the scripture reads like this. So they've been in jail the whole time. And verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Why do I read that? Here's my point with this. Is that there, you should not wait for the perfect conditions to praise the Lord, to live a life of worship. These guys were in jail at their lowest moment. You may be saying to me, Chris, well, like, I don't feel like praising God when I come to church because I've just gotten a fight with my wife or my husband and my kids are acting a fool and I'm ready to just like lose it on people and my job is terrible and I just want to like escape. I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like because the conditions are not ripe for it. But the um, encouragement again is, is don't wait for the perfect conditions to come because they won't come. But don't wait. Praise God wherever you're at. And like the story, God will intervene on your behalf and meet you exactly where you are at. God is the God that can break chains. He can open prison doors. He can turn your situation around. And so when we think about praise, we often think about it in this passive manner like, oh, it's this thing that we kind of do. But no, praise and worship is a weapon. That it fights our battles in the spiritual realm and things in areas that we can't even see or understand. And I'm willing to bet right now the things that you're currently experiencing, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and dark rulers. And so there is a spiritual battle. And so what do we do to combat the darkness is that we have to lift our voice and worship God with gladness and release a sound out into the atmosphere that will crush the enemy. And so that's why this is important. 
It's not just so that we can look at ourselves and say like, man, we got a great singing church and we got some great things happening or we have a church that loves to serve in the community. Let's pat ourselves on the back. That's not why we do that. It's we do it because God is worthy of our praise. The God who can change your situation, the God who can break darkness. God is the God who will meet you at midnight. Amen. The next one is when should I worship? When should we worship? Psalms, again, coming in clutch with this just answering every question for us today. Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just when the situation seems right. Not just when I feel like it. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Church, this is just the encouragement today is that don't wait for these surroundings to shift. Don't wait for your life to be perfect. Just give God everything you got and God will meet you in those spaces. The scripture is talking about this poor man. It takes some humility to approach God and to say, God, I don't have it all together and I need you. And that's what God is asking from us. God is wanting our hearts and he's wanting our posture to be aligned and linked to him. There's this quote, uh, I've heard it many times and uh, it's, it's preach the gospel and use words if necessary. It's a beautiful thing. You can do some cool things with that. But I like to say I've remixed it if that's okay. I've remixed that. And I would just say it like this. We should worship God and use songs if necessary. It's so much more than a song. God endeavors for us to meet him, and he endeavors to know us. Which brings me to my last kind of thought, is why should we worship? And I hope that after I've said all these things, that maybe it's clicking for you. Maybe uh, the, these things are clicking together, and maybe this is just kind of a, a duh statement. But we should worship God. Because he is worthy. Because he is worthy. Listen, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He made you. He formed you in your mother's womb before. He knows the very hairs on your head. He knows the detail and the makeup. And he has designed you in a way that he is intimately intertwined with your story. And he endeavors for you to know him. And he endeavors for you to have this growing, thriving relationship connected to the creator of the whole thing in the first place. Anyway, the reason we should worship him is because he is worthy. I think about that first song we sang, I Thank God. Man, that song gets me amped up. I don't know about anybody else, but I, I, I get amped up. You know why? Because I think about who I was. I think about where I was. 
When I tried to live a life on my own volition, when I tried to be my own king on the throne of my heart, when I tried to lead my own life and live my own life in my own strength, because, you know, I'm, I'm smart and I'm educated and I can figure it out. When I tried to live my life separately from God, the, big, the closest that I could even imagine was a chaotic, failing life. Some people say, well, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need anybody else to tell me what to do. God has saved us from our own selves. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture, Ephesians 2. Here's what the Lord has done for us. And it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and your sin, which you once walked in following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among we all once lived in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were lost without him. But my favorite part of this verse, and I love this, it just says, but God. Come on, but God. He didn't have to do it, but he did. He gave up everything. He sent his one and only son so that you and I would not have to be a subject to the failure of our own mistakes. He sent his great son, Jesus. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages, he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no no man may boast. This is amazing news, church, because when we come in this place and when people see us out in the community and they see the trajectory of our lives and they see how different our lives are in light of the gospel and in light of Jesus coming and saving us, it says in the scripture right there, so that in the ages to come, so for days and months and years and decades to come, so that people would be pointed back to Jesus. Why do we worship? Why do we come to church? And why do we lift our hands and we sing to God? Because I believe it is a sign to those around us of the inner reality of what God is doing on the inside of us. That expressive worship is not a thing that is reserved for only a certain group or denomination in the church. Uh, expressive worship is uh, reserved for those who have been saved by grace through faith. Saved for those who have a story that they were lost, but now they are found. A story of people that they're, uh, they were lost, they're struggling, and they're still doing it, and God is still working it out, but it's God is good anyway, and it, they're still in process. You don't have to have everything together to give God your all. All he is asking for is your heart. God is so much more concerned about who we are becoming than being a finished product. At the end of the day, we're never going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. People make mistakes all the time. But at the end of the day, what is our posture? As we uh, close, like I said, I'm gonna, we're going to do this practically. We're going to live this out. 
But I was thinking through, you know, I did who, what, when, where. Uh, I didn't do how. And um, I think that's like an important thing because, again, my, my main point with all of this is it's not important necessarily how. But I do think the posture and the how on the posture is important. And uh, there's this beautiful passage of scripture, and this is in the Gospels. This is when Jesus is doing his ministry. He's going about, he's healing people, saving people. People are inviting him over. They're having him over for parties. They're doing all sorts of things and, you know, getting to host the Son of God. That's like an amazing honor. And there's this beautiful old song. I mean, I'm gospel, so, like, there's this old song, uh, C.C. Wine and Sing. It's called, it's called The Alabaster Box. It's a beautiful song. You weren't there the night that Jesus found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. And so the scripture is based off of that. So it's the story of this woman. And you're going to hear a little bit of the details of her life here and here. So it's in... uh. It's that last one in Luke. I misremembered the reference on there, but it should be in there. There we go. Luke 7. It says, when the, uh, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And there was a woman there in the town who had lived a sinful life and learned Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, she was weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When I think about what it looks like to have a posture of worship, I think this is the the most beautiful picture. It's because God is not requiring us to be perfect to walk towards him. This woman comes and she has this costly perfume in this beautiful alabaster jar. And in front of all the religious leaders of the day, she was willing to be made fun of and looked down upon because she was so desperate to pour out the costly oil that she had in her jar. And I wonder if today, if we couldn't also take that same posture and coming towards God, that we may feel like if we come to God and if we're uh, expressive or we lead the way or if we're out in our community and we do things, people may look at us or look down on us. But she was not afraid. She was overwhelmed by the love of God so much that she was in tears, wiping his feet with her own tears and her actual hair. She was undignified with her praise she didn't take time to go get a towel and get a big old jar or put, take him to the tub or nothing like that she used her actual physical tears and I just wonder what it would look like if us as a church and as a generation would take that posture when it comes to worshiping God when it comes to giving our praise to the Lord could we come And risk being made fun of, risk being looked down upon, whether it be even in the church or even outside of the church, would we risk being looked down upon to give God our very best? I love her posture. You know, we're we're in the middle of uh, International Women's Month, and man, like, 
I don't know about you guys, but man, I, the, the, the women in my life have taught me how to praise and taught me how to worship. And I look at this story, and there's many stories in the Bible of this, but I just thought this was such a beautiful picture of a woman leading the way and showing us how to worship. And man, sometimes we're, we we like to be hard exteriors. We like to be the the tough guy. We like to run in and be like, no, I'm not. I shall not be moved. I'm gonna I'm gonna be worshiping like this today. You know, I got my got my big arms out here. You know, big burly arms. You know. Sometimes I think it's important. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just think it's important that we allow our hearts to be tender and allow God to be on the throne of our heart. And that we would just give him everything unashamedly, uh, undignified praise towards the Lord. That we would lift our voice. We would lift our hands. We would shout for praise. We would sing with gladness. We would worship the Lord with all that we have. And so when I think about the whole spectrum of worship, what it looks like, that's what it looks like to me. Is it looks like a heart that is postured and that has given God the keys and set God on the throne of our hearts. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.com. Church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.